This is episode 176. Let's do it. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. This podcast was created so that you would have direct access to the true stories of what it's like being a businesswoman, the real true journey of very savvy, very smart businesswomen. If you love these stories, then make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com and opt in so that you can get updated on all the latest podcast interviews, as well as how you can become a more active part of the whole Biz Women Rock community, which kind of rocks. So go to bizwomenrock.com. Do you know what Forex is? It is the foreign exchange market. And my guest, Kiana Daniel, does a phenomenal job of not only explaining exactly what it is, but how you can make a ton of money uh, being involved in it and investing in it. She started a company called Investiva when she realized that very few women actually understood or even knew about Forex. And um, she has spent all these years developing education programs in order to help women educate themselves so that we can make some money on it. Um, So in this interview, she really goes into her journey. She has an astounding journey on how uh, she came about to starting this company. Um, And this is such a great example of putting yourself out there everywhere so that the right people come to you. And you're going to see what I mean by that as you listen to Kiana. So let's go. Kiana, thank you so much for being on the show. So excited to be here, Katie. I feel like I should introduce you as like Kiana the Diva. Like that's... <laughs> no, that's... please don't. <laughs> I didn't even come up with that name, so no. <laughs> well, that's like the brand, the Invest Diva brand. I love yeah, it. Yeah, we so... create divas. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, I am so thrilled that you're here on the show. Really honored that you're here to be able to share about what, um, you know, what story you have had as a businesswoman. Um, and specifically because you've had a very interesting one, like very, yours is a very non-traditional story. I don't think stories are traditional in, in the first place. I think everyone has a very unique story, but yours in particular is very, very unique. So let's start, um, with how in the world you got interested in money and investing in the first place. Right. Well, to touch point on what you said about being traditional and not traditional. Yeah, I am exotic from an American point of view, but I used to think Americans are exotic and everything happening here is too exotic. So (laughs) it really depends on where you are. Um, How I got into investing, that is a long story. I'm going to get into it. So basically, uh, as you might know, I was born and raised in a Jewish family in Iran out of all places. And um I went to Japan to study electrical engineering. I never was interested in finance. I know my family members were in either finance or politics. We're like the family of engineers. Everybody's like engineer, engineer. And uh, girls in Iran also can become engineers. I just want to put that out. And um, so what happened is I went to Japan to study, and I was there for, I'm going to say, well, I was there for seven years, but when this, thing happened, the change happened to me was uh, my, it was in 2008, I was studying for my second degree, uh, ah, yeah, so what happened is that I just heard that, oh my god, the economic world crash, and I'm like, what does this actually mean, economic, like, I was completely absent-minded about investing or finance, and 
also I was hearing that, well, because of this, the U.S. dollar is going down, the U.S. dollar is going down. And in Japan, the U.S. dollar is talked about very often because Japanese people are always looking to export their, their stuff. It's a heavily um, exporting, relied country. And that's why they mentioned it over and over and again on TV. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? And I started looking to it a little bit more. And that is when, for the first time, I thought to myself, well, if the, do- if the U.S. dollar is going down, then maybe because I've accumulated a bunch of Japanese, yeah, maybe I should change it now. So that's, like, about it. I started, to, I started like, following the market a little bit to see how further low it's going to go. And then I noticed it was going lower and lower. I'm like, when is it going to, like, reach the best price that I can buy? And I was talking about it out of old people to my Japanese host family's mom. And it was like, yeah, I think maybe I, I should do it. I don't know when to do it. I'm at school all the time. And she's like, yeah, I do this all the time, so forex trading. And let me help you out. Wow. So she helped me out in the first month. I put in like $10,000 worth of Japanese yen. And mm-hmm. in the first month, I doubled it. And wow. well, I got lucky, obviously, because it was the market crash. Dollar was going down so fast. And I'm not getting, getting to so much details of how this happened. But obviously, I got excited. I'm like, okay, there is no way on earth I'm ever going to make this much money during a year. <laughs> right? right, right. So uh, I started doing Forex on my own, and it was still very good. And uh, even though after even after graduation, I started working as an analyst from Japanese company, I still was. I, I felt like my heart was kind of leaning towards finance and. It was so fascinating how, like, global po- politics and geopolitics and anything that happens, like, even in nature, like, disasters, this, that, affects the flow of money. So I started just on the side studying of, by, by myself. And that is when I started to get more and more bored of, of what I was doing as an engineer and more and more excited about finance. So I found myself, even at our engineering meetings, I was talking about finance people. <laughs> and so I was like, let's just go, like, let's just nuts, like, okay. So, That's great. Um, what happened is I came to New York to visit my family for the first time. And I had never been to the U.S. before that. Again, long story, how my parents and family are U.S. citizens. I have never been to the U.S. I came to New York and I was fascinated by everybody in finance. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the place to be. And that's how I decided two months later, I'm moving out of Japan. I'm coming to New York to pursue a career in finance and wow. forex trading. Actually, I came to uh, New York in 2010, April. I started working at a forex company. I got the job in two weeks, which is perfect. And um, I got to learn a lot more about the forex market and the investing, trading uh, industry as a as an industry as a business and um, I was talking to a lot of people saying how education is important how people are making money how people are losing money and there there were a bunch of things that I noticed as I was working at this company that was number one there were like probably in all USA five women trading for it really come on yeah. that few no it's like Crazy, crazy. I was shocked. I'm like, why? I'm like, yeah, it's a man's world. So I'm like, this is the U.S. I came to the U.S. because I thought it's like women's world. I'm like, yeah, well, not forex. I'm like, okay. And number two was that how much lack of education 
is going on and like a normal ordinary trader doesn't know what exactly is going on in the forest market. I heard that at the beginning when this started, some companies took advantage of this lack of education. A lot of people, a lot of traders lost money and they completely lost their faith in this industry altogether. Wow. So I was like, well, but the answer to this is quite obvious. Don't you get it? That you have to just educate people more. They're like, yeah, 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 we don't have time. So I'm like, all right, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do it on my own. I pitched it to my boss and he was like, yeah, well, we don't have the time to do this. We are just focusing on our strategies. Da, da, da. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to do it by myself. Wow. And that's what I did. <laughs> so do you... Do a yeah. quick little explanation right here of exactly what Forex is for the other however many millions and millions of those non-five women who don't know what it is, have <laughs> never heard of it, um, or may have heard of it, but don't really understand the intricacies of it. Can you do just a quick explanation? Yes. Have you heard of stocks? Yes. Okay. So Forex trading, Forex stands for for X. It's not for your X. You're, you're not doing anything for your X. It's the combination of two words, foreign exchange. Now it's more familiar. It's, it's, a, it's trading of, com, of currency. So when you trade stocks, you pay your money to buy a tangible share of a company. Or when you're trading gold or commodities, you're paying your money to buy gold or buy silver. When mm -hmm. you trade forex, you pay your money to buy another version of money, namely Japanese yen, euro, English, British pound, I don't know, Australian dollar, Canadian dollar. Gotcha. So the, the, the constant trading of these currencies, because their value go up and down, even more so as the stock market, and there are a lot of advantages to it. So um, that is what it's called for trading. Gotcha. Okay. Very interesting. So, I mean, so your your goal as an investor in Forex is really just to constantly watch what every other uh, you know, nation's uh, currency is really doing, and you're hedging against that. Mm, not okay. So that is an interesting observation. I'm not hedging against it. Okay. So the beauty of forex is that you always have to trade two currencies in a pair. In my book and in my education course, I call them the dancing couple. It takes two to two to tango, mm -hmm. right? So, for example, if U.S. dollar is doing great, which it is doing right now, and Japanese yen is doing really bad, which, again, it is doing it right now, the dollar-yen pair is going up. But this has two factors. One, the, re the reason one, one is that dollar is going up, but because the U.S. dollar is the lead <laughs> dancer of this dancing couple, uh, the weaker the Japanese yen gets, Again, the dollar yen pair goes up. So I'm not going against it. You can you can make money either way. So if, if the scenario changes and your dollar gets weak and Japanese yen gets stronger, then you can bet against it again and, and uh, basically trade on a bearish market and still make money. Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So. So my question to you then is, is you had this moment, you quit your job, you said, I'm doing this on my own. Now, all of your education was either in engineering or it was trading in Forex, and, uh, but not in education. So what, what did you do in the very beginning to actually like bring together exactly what you were going to provide for people? Like, How did you get your package together, what your offering was going to be, your, your value proposition? Like, How did you figure all that stuff out? Oh, my God, you're 
walk, um, you're taking me to walk down the memory lane. Um, so first I knew I didn't have any entrepreneurial education and I didn't want to pull myself, but I was fortunate enough to come across some very enthusiastic people who were just giving me tips here and there. So, for example, at the beginning, I was obviously trying to come up with what I wanted to do. I had a clear vision about what I wanted to do because I had already pitched it to my boss, right? So what I wanted to do was clear at the time. But how I was going to do it, what to name my company, how to get about it, how to market it, this and that, it just, like, I started talking to everybody. And I went to so many networking events. I listened to so many podcasts like yours success stories, this and that, and every tiny bit of them helped. And, of course, the biggest motivation or the biggest factor in my success has been that I did not give up. Because yeah. that, like, that moment, even, like, six months ago, people were like, okay, you're going to give up now, right? And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so have you, you know? this is an interesting question. Because your family has been engineers and not entrepreneurs, have they, have they been supportive or... Have they no. been understanding? No, not at the beginning, not at all. I mean, well, my mom has always been supportive of me. Right. But my sister, for example, she's a lot older than me, and she always therefore thinks that I'm just a baby. And I mean, it comes from a good place, <laughs> I understand. But I mean, I'm, I'm never going to be old enough to make any decision on my own, right? Right. So, um, I think that's a baby <laughs> of every family feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, so at the beginning, so she didn't understand the concept of Forex. She is, like, she has always, she always has to be secure. Like, she's very worried about money all the time. Right. Even though she has it. So she thinks that you just have to have a secure job and just, you know, never make any risky decisions. And so she's that kind of person. She was, let's say. Right. Okay. Because I'm going to tell you a story of what happened to her after all this happened with me, right? Okay. But um, so at the time, even though I had quit my job, because of my set of skills and, you know, languages and stuff like that, I actually was getting offered from big banks in New York to work and have a salary. And every one of them were very tempting. And I would tell them to my sister, and she's like, ah, uh, this is like a bank. This is like the bank of your dreams. I'm like, and still in finance, are you sure? But... Still, I just had to go with my gut feeling. I would, I would sit down and calculate, am I going to be five years? Am I going to be happy doing what I do in that bank? Or am I going to be happy knowing that I contributed to what I really was supposed to do? So that is a decision that I've made. I probably could have been making a lot more money in the past, like at the beginning, of course, when I was not making any money. I was just investing. Right. But in the long run, I never have regretted it. Decision. So, um, so let's go back again into because I I know that you've had a shift in business model, but I want to still talk about what your business model was when you first first started, and then we'll make the transition into where you are now. But talk a little bit about how, um, like, what was your actual business model when you first started out? How how were you making money? Was it just creating products to help people and with the education, or was it dealing with clients one on one, or what was it? So I still have. But a part of my original business model, for sure. It's just that I've added things to to it to compel it. Um, the um, the original business model was to make the world's best 
forex education program for people with, okay, let's say for dummies. All right. I just said <laughs> for dummies. And uh, I wanted it to be video-based. So that was the goal. I wanted to make video education series, not YouTube video education series, very fun and like professional video series. Right. And I wanted it to be accessible to everyone. And I just went ahead and did it. I started making videos. Uh, how I put up, like how I learned how to make videos, all that is obviously a lot of it self-taught, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of people trying to screw me over. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> and I made 100 videos all presented by myself. I basically like produced, edited, um, presented everything. These videos is like all my job. And I'm extremely proud of it. And I still wow. have them. And the good thing that came out of that is that I got published based on those, on those videos. So I just went ahead and did it. I was thinking of selling those videos, but at the time I was just putting them up, up uh, on the website that I had created, right? Okay. And I was just putting them up every day. I would share them on my Facebook, and everybody was making fun of me because in the videos I go very sassy. And it's like even though it's finance, I'm like dancing, and I'm trying to come up with <laughs> sad, uh, uh, metaphors. It's like, as I said, I call Forex currency pairs dancing couples. Yeah, I've seen a couple education. of your videos, and they're yeah, and it's great. And you're right; it, these are not like homemade. I'm sitting in front, like on my chair in, in my office type of videos, and I'm taking this video selfie. I mean, they're very well produced videos with like graphics of everyone. You've got these two, you know, uh, two people dancing on the floor, and you know, you, you're explaining it in a very metaphorical way that really makes sense. And then you're um, you're putting graphics to that metaphor. It's actually really brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you. So yeah. So that's. I came up with these metaphor, all these metaphors that I thought are kind of girly to basically attract women who are scared from what I had heard in, in the U.S. Bar. Like women, not only they're not interested, they're kind of scared, shy away from it because of various reasons. So I was trying to make it as feminine as possible. And I was thinking, okay, what would I be interested in? I love dancing. So I'm like, okay, this is what it was the, me the metaphor. And I'm like... So a lot of the metaphors obviously are feminine. At the time, I thought I'm only going to have women uh, students and clients. Turns out guys like it too, so that was good. Um, but what happened? So with that, then so what I'm trying to say basically is that by not getting upset, people making fun of me, and continuing doing what I wanted to do and I what I thought it's right to do. Guess what happened? McGraw Hill editor. I don't know how they found my teeny tiny website and next thing I know I get a phone call from an editor in McGraw Hill they're like yeah we saw your website it's really cool would you like to write a book about it I'm like oh my god yes of course really wow <laughs> yeah and within a week they gave me a, an agreement it was like just that was the best moment ever in my life wow so how many views were your videos getting at this time but like, 12. <laughs> really? So just because yeah. you had, you really had like self-branded yourself as this woman who, you know, like the invest diva who is giving all this great information. And just because you had put out this content, it didn't even have that much traction. Um, somebody noticed and saw you as the expert for it. Yep. Yep. I mean, I originally, actually, I was Forex diva at the time. We rebranded to invest diva. But yep, that exactly is it. Because wow. I had obviously put my background and how I got into this. So they knew that 
okay, I've had the experience, I have traded myself because I had like my portfolio out and all that. So they could see that I'm talking from, and I was, I was not making stuff up. I was obviously studying as I was making the videos. I was constantly in libraries, getting books and talking to people and getting things. So it wasn't a, I I am self-taught, obviously, but uh, it was not an easy road and, I learned a lot by learning and teaching. So when you teach something, I think you learn even more about it. And I'm still learning. So that has been good. Yeah. So was McGraw-Hill the first opportunity that came your way because of what you were doing? Or did you have people coming to you wanting to be your clients now, wanting to learn from you? No, McGraw-Hill was not. <laughs> gotcha. Well, and the reason I ask is because I think it's important to really identify the fact, and you had mentioned this before, about how you were just investing money, time, energy into your business at first. And so, you know, now you get to at least had some sort of a feeling that it was making a difference, you know? So, um, so they came to you, they wanted you to make the book. Um, did you, what was your process for doing that? Like, did you, you, I mean, you had just produced all these videos, so you had to have some sort of a very clear understanding of like, you know, like an outline or of some sort, like, what was your process for writing this book? It was very easy. I wrote it in two months. The reason why is that I already had the script. So my book that is out there right now is exactly what it is that you see in the videos. Mm. It's just a written version of it. The images that are used in the in the book is exactly the same. And I was actually thinking, okay, in the God hell, they're thinking, so they're just offering me this to help me out. They're probably not going to think I'm done. I have to, like, revise everything. They're like, oh, just give us the script, the manuscript that you have for your videos. And I gave it to them. And believe me or not, they did not, like, the science of English is not my first language. And uh, it's not even my second language. It's my third language. But um, so <laughs> I make grammatical mistakes, and I'm aware of it. I was thinking that this manuscript is going to come back all in red. They're going to change everything I've made. They actually did not. I was so surprised. And wow. they did not change any of my metaphors, nothing. So what you see, if you buy the book or if you like buy the videos, you will see that it's like word by word, basically the videos, the well, video manuscript. But the reason why that's so smart is because it's repurposing content, which, you know, is like, you know, every business no- owner knows that they really need to be doing that. So don't recreate stuff over and over again. If you've got this content, you just spent all of these hours producing and, you know, creating concept for video that was exactly what you believe and what, you know, the good strategies that you believe in. And why recreate that stuff? Just put it in a whole different format because there are people who won't watch your videos who will prefer to read it and people who will prefer to watch the videos and won't want to read anything. So, you know, you're just hitting different markets. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So I just did that and it was, actually one of the easiest processes (laughs) in the whole uh, thing and it was one of the biggest ones as well because that was my main marketing and PR push that got me on the map of existing. Well, so that's what I really want to go to go into talk about the impact that it did have like, up until this point, you were just, you know, some girl with her tiny little website producing videos that 12 people were watching. And now you've got this book. So what what was the impact that happened? So first of all, my sister finally believed in me. <laughs> Yay, sis. Good job. <laughs> that's a big that deal. Really good. I think it's it bigger to convert happy. family than it is to convert a client. Like that's a very big deal. It's much harder. Like believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So now all of a sudden you've legitimized yourself. Yes. Yeah, so she's now supportive. 
And um, after that, well, the book was just even before. So it gave me that uh, confidence that I needed, and get, it gave people around me more confidence. I had a group of people who were supportive of me from the beginning, don't get me wrong, because mm-hmm. I think without support, you're going to be lost. And uh, I had this, I found the support elsewhere, even though I didn't have it, like, within my immediate family. But, um, so now a lot more people, a lot of more people were seeking me out, and I started talking to different businesses. I started, like, reaching out, and uh, once the book was out, obviously, I got interviewed and mastered. Like, I was promoted. Uh, I was featured on Time Magazine, CNN, and, like, the big, glorious life began, especially during the time of publishing, which helped a lot with attracting students. By that time, I had uh, rebranded to Investiva, changed my uh, website to a better-looking one, and, um, like, better business model, business strategy. The business strategy, you asked me how I came up with it. Yeah. It's been an evolution. I actually changed it again yesterday. So our pricing, <laughs> if you go to our, to our website today, uh-huh. you find out that I changed them because over the past year, I noticed, uh, well, we've had clients, we've had students, I've been listening to their feedback, I've been listening to their, I've been watching and analyzing their, um, their behavior on the website, which picked up what page they go to, how the services are more interested. So we change all the time. And I think it's very important to be dynamic to, uh, and, and basically um, responsive to customer needs. So that has changed for sure. And then also other business strategies that came up along the way. And I just, as long as it wasn't too far away from my core beliefs, I have said no to so many different business opportunities that people think I'm crazy, but still it wasn't my core value. Right. But at the same time, I have been open to exploring other vendors and other kinds of making money within this industry, which has been great, actually. So a real quick question on how you actually got into Time Magazine, how you actually got noticed in all of those different publications because of your book. Because anyone, like, honestly, there, so many people can write a book right now, and yes, it's produced, and that's great, yay, but how are you really distinguish, distinguishing yourself and getting noticed? Did you hire a PR firm? Did McGraw-Hill no, no, take no, no, care no. of that Time Magazine actually was interesting. Time itself uh, she, the reporter found me on my Facebook page because I created a Facebook page for myself and I post, I was posting everything that I was posting like on my blog, yeah. on my Facebook page. I don't know how she found me, but Time Magazine also, they found me. Wow. You've got so a I hell of a lot the, of luck, girl. Uh, <laughs> they say the hard, hard work produces luck, you know? So I think that's really smart. I mean, you're there. What I'm hearing is that you were there when people are looking, which is very, very smart. I've been trying to be everywhere. So that's why a lot of people actually mistakenly think I'm a PR person. <laughs> like if you go to my LinkedIn account, I've got endorsements a lot for right. PR. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really a PR girl. <laughs> but I think like <laughs> when you become a CEO, when you have a company, you really have to do everything by yourself. And uh, I think one of the questions that uh, people ask me is what, what's the best tip that it ever heard? Like what's the best tip that, people have given you is that uh, fake it till we make it. Yep. That's been a theme in all of the conversations I've had today, by the way. Like every single interview I've had today, every single one of them has said, yeah, just fake. I had no, I had no confidence. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just did it. 
<laughs> yeah. I think it definitely stays true for, um, I, I mean, I didn't like, I don't like this phrase as much because I wasn't really faking it. I was actually trying, but right. I was faking that I have confidence. That is for sure. I was right. faking it. I was faking that. I was faking, what else was I faking? I was faking that I am investiva. So people thought I'm a diva, and then they'll talk to me like, oh, you're really not a diva. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but funny, interestingly enough, I actually didn't know the meaning of diva when somebody suggested this thing to me, actually. That's funny. And uh, I was like, oh, diva, singer, yeah, I like singing, sure. And that's my <laughs> diva. So later on, people are like, oh, you're such a diva. I'm like, what? Is that bad? <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so yeah. what, um, so give a little snapshot of where you are right now, because you were telling me before we went on air that you have, you're adding people to your team. You're continuing to look for people to add to your team. Um, what has it been like for you to actually now like be in charge of other people and manage another, a, a whole team around something that you created? Well, it's very rewarding and I mean, it's a completely different story now because I've always been an employee and I was actually talking to my fiance today I was telling him now I realize I never was meant to be an employee and I'm an awesome boss and he was laughing like yeah I am but (laughs) the fact is that like I now worry about people who work for me because like I want to support them so I had this girl who's helping me and she came all the way from like we get we got her from Japan and uh she really wants to stay here we actually I I would prefer that she would, you know, work from Japan. So, like, you can now, I have the ability to make decisions to make changes in people's lives. And um, it's it's very rewarding, for sure. And seeing that somebody, like, other people are caring as much as I do about my business and we become a team. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Kiana, what are the, some of the strategies that you implement to make sure that you're staying in really close connection with not only your students, your customers, but potential people, people who are sort of on your list, people who are part of your Facebook group, uh, Facebook community, you know, social media community? What kind of things are you doing to make sure that you're constantly staying in touch? So that is something that I still, I think, need to work more on. So I think I did mention that I have added business strategies. The reason why I did that was because I'm noticing that like what I'm trying to offer in America is a culture change. It's not, it's not education per se. It's like women, you got to be in charge of not only your finances, but also trading. Cause we already have, uh, you know, other websites for providing financial independence, empowerment, like learn best. And there are what websites that, um, empower women into, you know, paying their check, paying their credit cards on time and getting on top of their finances. What I'm doing is something on top of that is like, hey, not only you should be on top of your finances, you also can invest them and recreate money. And that has been a slow process. Therefore, and now I've shifted actually into B2B. So I'm offering what I have. I've partnered up with bigger businesses than myself who so I produce education for them and in return they basically promote me I'm mean, obviously they pay me as well but my name is in there because I'm their educator so that is one of the ways so because I'm an educator for this big organization 
and my name is still Kiana, CEO of Investiva, then we get some uh, visibility from there as well. But um, honestly, this how to keep in touch with your community, social media. The only problem, this is something that I haven't, uh, you know, resolved yet. There's so much information everywhere. No matter how many posts I post on Facebook every single day, I cannot just guarantee that everybody that I need is going to see it. I have um, invested massive advertising uh, fees in Facebook and Google. And, well, Facebook has, in, in my case, Facebook has been more uh, productive because people are not actively looking for what I'm offering. So I might as well just get in front of their eyes. If they like it, they'll click on it. But right. um, the only way that I've slowly been making progress has been word of mouth, seminars, um, videos, obviously, trying to be everywhere, not saying no to any kind of PR. Mm. That's very interesting. So what would you say is the, you know, what we, what would you say is like the big vision? Like where, to me, it feels like we're, we're getting a really great snapshot of you've, you've already, you're, you're up and running. You have had a good little sprint already, but you are on the very beginnings of the journey of how big this thing can really go. So what do you see that maybe we don't see quite yet? So, <laughs> Uh, in the past three, four years, I've noticed that focusing on the, only on the U.S. was an absolute mistake because, as I said, it's a cultural mistake. So the, the people that we are hiring actually is to pr- um, provide other languages for Investiva. So we're having, we're going to add different languages for places that women are actually actively looking for investing. Um, and um, second thing is that I am working on my second book. Because, again, Forex is such a foreign investing method, so I'm working on my second book with McGraw-Hill uh, to, on a different type of trading. And uh, so that's going to be another push. And hopefully my full vision that I've had from the very beginning is that Investiva is not only about forex trading. I would like to have Investiva uh, covering all kinds of investing stocks in real estate even, ETFs and all have you, anything that uh, you can get into and make your money work for you. I love it. I see it. I totally see it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Kiana, I really want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. It's an amazing one. Thank you so much for having me on. womenrock.com forward slash 176 is where you're going to find all of these resources, including Kiana's book, um, her direct access to her website, and a little bit more just about who she is. Man, you know, again, I think the overall theme of this entire conversation was just to put yourself out there, have faith, make some hard decisions and say no if it doesn't fall in line with what your core competency is and your core passion is. And ultimately, when you're putting yourself out there, the right people will come and be attracted to you, like McGraw-Hill and Time Magazine. Um, I just love those stories. And I meant it when I said that, you know, like, oh, she's so lucky, you know. But the truth is, the harder you work, the luckier you become. So I thought she was a great example of that. Hope you had an awesome time listening today and maybe, perhaps, even going and learning about Forex and uh, making some money. All right. I'll see you on the next show.